Welcome to Certified Credit's Talk Data to Me podcast, where our FCRA certified experts help you tackle the latest regulations, emerging trends, and unique challenges of the mortgage industry with an intuitive, people-first approach. And of course, data, because your business is built on more than just a score. Visit certifiedcredit.com for more information. Certified Credit helps you hone your best practices from lead generation to post-closing QC and everything in between. Before we get started with this week's episode of the Talk Data to Me podcast, we want to take a moment to thank everyone who stopped by our booth at MBA Annual. Our Certified Credit data nerds loved having the opportunity to learn more about you, your business, and the challenges that you're facing with the current market. And we look forward to having the opportunity to provide you with innovative products and superior technology to help you create a more profitable and efficient lending environment. We also would like to thank our guests of the Talk Data podcast, which you'll be hearing from in this episode. This episode contains several conversations that we had during MBA Annual with industry experts and thought leaders. We can't wait for you to hear them. And if you haven't already seen our videos on LinkedIn or on our website, you can visit certifiedcredit.com backslash podcast to see videos with these industry experts. So without further ado, here is the Certified Credit Talk Data to Me podcast recorded live at MBA Annual. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Nicole Maniello of Certified Credit's Talk Data to Me podcast, and I'm here with... KP from Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> So thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin. Of course, of course. So happy to have you on our podcast. You, you, you and the team. You ask. I'm always, I'm always a willing participant. Well, thank you. Love we, your we whole group. It. Uh, likewise. So, what we really want to talk to you about. I mean, things that you're so knowledgeable about. You tell everybody every day when you have your your posts. You know, everybody watches. I feel like you you definitely can hold an audience. And you share a lot of really insightful information. So you know, we're curious on what are your thoughts on the market trends that you're seeing happening today. Well, we're here at the uh, the Super Bowl of uh, mortgage banking. This is the uh, Mortgage Bankers uh, Association annual convention. And uh, this is my last trade show of the year. I'm really excited about no more travel. And of course, like every year at the show, there's always like bombshell news dropped on us, right? Yeah. So uh, Mike Frattantoni, Joe Kahn, Marina Walsh, they did a whole data uh, presentation on Sunday. And they dropped their yearly forecast to only $2 trillion in forward mortgage originations for the year. Wow. And that's a, that's a pretty big drop. I think at the beginning of the year, the number was 2.6. Yeah. And um, even mid-year, they were <clears throat> around, I don't know, 2.4. So that's a $400 million drop in about three months of data. And uh, so is the worst over, right? Like, you know, if, if we were coming out of 2017 and you would have told me the next year was going to have two trillion dollars and more mortgages in it, you would have been excited. Yeah. But it doesn't feel as good because this whole industry is such a capacity model. So there's still capacity coming down to make it feel better. And uh, so the trends right now are prepare for next year, prepare for spring purchase season, continue to invest in tech, um, work with all of your great partners and come up with strategy, cut costs, reduce friction, compress time, and then get ready to scale our business again next year. That's that's what everyone's talking about um, right. at this show. Yeah, and I think that's a really important thing to note too, is now is the time we have that bandwidth, right? We can take the time to look at what we're doing. We can look at our processes. We can figure out ways to kind of improve that going forward because when we're busy, there, there's just not time usually, so. Yeah, the, the, the point you make is great because when you're busy, 
you know, there's loans coming in, there's profitability, mm-hmm. and it covers up a lot of the inefficiencies, especially um, yeah. the really small ones. And so, like you said, there's a lot of time to look and repurpose and refine and just get better for next year. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you come out on top in the, the later game. So another thing we wanted to talk to you about is kind of on the same note, ways that the lenders that you're seeing, what are they doing to kind of overcome the current market? What, what different processes or you know, technologies are they putting in place to overcome those challenges? Um, I was on a good uh, two-part series with um, True and uh, Rich Trabinsky from the Mortgage Collaborative. And yeah. he said something, he said, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. <laughs> and, you know, some of the tech that we build and some of the things that we try and create do take that much time. But there's a lot of things that you can get an instant lift. So, <clears throat> I, you know, I think a lot, of, um, a lot of my peers are saying, you know, we're still going to invest in tech. We're still going to find lift. I think a lot more of it is coming from the revenue side, up funnel side, sales, um, you know, prospecting side because you can see immediate lift there. Yeah. Um, you know, we're looking at great emerging tech like Wisp, um, which QR code captures and converts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cell phone numbers driven by the bar, TCPA and CCPA compliant on all of your pieces of collateral. That's been a pretty cool thing. Um, you know, I'm seeing other, you know, great lenders uh, implement things like uh, Finlocker, which uh, is really backed by a bunch of mortgage executives you know you've got cultivation capital and then you've got brian view that's there pb um uh, uh harry carson i mean you've got just so so many different mortgage people that are building good tech for borrowers to be engaged because the bars are still engaged they're still out there they're looking yeah. they're looking at houses there's some seasonal trends right now um you know obviously it's it's starting to get colder you know we saw the nice pretty fall leaves out here um as we're driving in come thanksgiving to new year's people don't hunt for homes as much but they're looking online there's a lot of data out there that's showing they're looking they're very engaged rent's still going up so it's not like even with higher rates and higher home prices which has started to come down a little bit home prices um people are still engaged and so in a normal seasonal spring purchase season like we're about to uh, take part in uh, sellers will come out of the woodworks. I mean, if there's just a smidge of like the Fed pausing or maybe lowering yeah. uh, their rate hike number, you know, 75 in November, 50 in December, um, you know, if there's just a smidge of that and the bond market can stabilize, I think you'll see a lot of bars get off the fence. You know, uh, people are doing two one buy downs right now. Uh, and I think next year people think we'll have a pretty uh, decent purchase season. And um, some of the worst naysayers are saying it might last a year. I don't know. I mean, you know, if it's if it's a $1.7 trillion year next year of purchase business or 1.6, that's still a lot of purchase business. You just got to go find it and hunt for it. Right. So I think a lot of people are focusing on emerging upfront tech and getting ready and prepared because the bars are still looking. They're still engaging. They're still out there. Right. They're still hunting for that house, that next purchase. And I'll, I'll throw in one more stat. Um, Logan Motoshami, who's the lead housing uh, analyst at HousingWire, um, he threw out this piece of data about a month ago. He said 75% of all sellers then buy another home. Wow. So they're kind of holding off too. Yeah. So you have, you know, less listings, less homes for sale because them as buyers, you know, aren't as motivated with higher rates and higher prices as well. Uh, but again, if, if rates give just a smidge, 
I think you'll see a lot of people get off the fence. And again, you know, we still have a lot more people who need shelter, who yeah. are in household formation age of 33, the first time home buyer. So I think a lot of people are investing in that trend to get new bars into their sales funnel, nurture them, keep them engaged, and get ready for um, a somewhat normal spring purchase season in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you're right about that too. There are so many people on the fence right now because there's no motivation. If you're a sell, or if you're a potential seller, let's say, and you know, okay, well, I'm going to have to deal with now buying at this higher interest rate, and you know, I'm going to have to maybe also pay more for this home. You're going to hold off if you can, you know. So I think, but I think that's a lot of. Um, it's like. It's human nature, up, right? Yeah, it's human and it's it's pent up interest that's going to come out at some point. So you're right when you say, "Oh, as soon as we get a dip here, I think you will see people make a move because they're afraid to lose the opportunity now." That's right. Now that's they know FOMO where it can in. go. Yeah, FOMO, and so they they realize that you know the potential is there. That if they don't make a move, you know we know there were interest rates in 16, 17s back in the day. Those could come back. People might be fearful of that. So. All those stories were heard, like oh, back in my day when yeah. so it's about to be that day again. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're getting to that day. <laughs> we're gonna be that new we're group. That day. Like, yeah, remember back in 2023, we sold a 10.5% oh, mortgage. Yeah, oh, right. We all talk about 2007, like it was, you know. I saw, I saw a so a friend of mine, uh, Martin Warren. He's he's uh, one of the owners of uh, Nations Direct. He sent me a rate showing 10% rates on DSCR investment cash out loans right now. Wow. You know, I mean, they're out there, right? And yeah. we're, not talking, we're not talking hard money. Yeah, we're talking yeah. non-QM loans, right? So, right. you know, who knows where it's going to stop. But I, I, I think when the Fed finally feels like they've tamed inflation, that's when you'll see um, stabilization. And you'll start to see the, the big institutional investors start to get back in and bring liquidity to mortgage-backed securities right? and, uh, and treasuries. I, I read that J.P. Morgan Chase, now, if you count their loan loss reserve as cash, yeah. they're sitting on $1.2 trillion in cash. Wow. In cash, right? So that's money not being invested yeah. in mortgage-backed securities to bring rates down and create liquidity. It's, you know, what they're holding off too. Like a lot of the big money, you know, they, they can't afford to make mistakes when they're buying billions of dollars of fixed income securities. So um, there's a lot of cash on the sideline. It's just waiting for the risk on moment. Not that housing is risky, but you know, the market's very, uh, it's very liquidity driven right now. And, and yeah. the feds in charge, they're driving the bus. Yeah, for sure. So with that in mind, you know, looking at 2023, if you had a crystal ball, <laughs> what would you say might be coming down the pipe? What do you think? I mean, obviously, there's no way to know for sure, but you're you're about as well read and as um, knowledgeable as I can think of. So I'm I'm sure you've got some ideas and, what you think. And as wrong as all the economists <laughs> here and weathermen. Just so you know. Okay, so with your weatherman credentials, my, Kevin. <laughs> my my problem is my optimism, right? So like I keep thinking like, you know, March of twenty three, you know, we're gonna have some some really good normalization of rates. And it might happen even sooner. But then you read some reports like we could have high rates for a year and we could have right, you know, like I, I don't know where it's going to land, but um, I feel like the hiking of Fed interest rates um, will have a pause after their December meeting. Um, you know, the inflation data, the CPI, PPI, you know, PCE, all these different numbers that they look at, that that's going to determine, okay, the Fed says, okay, we're at this 4.75% all in rate. There's enough medicine in the system. Let's mm -hmm. let it work. And when they start to do that, if they, if they have a meeting in the first quarter of the year and they don't raise the rates, you'll see 
liquidity come back into mortgage-backed securities, which will, will stabilize that market and bring some uh, bring the rates down, certainly stabilize it. That's yeah. what we're all looking for, and I think it could happen in Q1. Yeah, well, that's excellent. Well, let's hope you're right on that, huh? Now, that's, <laughs> diff that's different from a Fed rate cut. Right, yeah, yeah, Th yeah. That, that's going to need to come from, you know, really slow growth in the economy, maybe even a recession. Right. Um, if jobs start to get lost because companies are hunkering down, you know, then, you know, then the Fed could be like, okay, you know, because their other mandate isn't just inflation, it's to watch employment, which yeah. is really kept in check right now. The unemployment rate, super low, 3.5%. Yeah. Uh, so um, those are all the... The, yeah, the, the balls in the, the, balls air, in the air, air being juggled. Yeah, <laughs> the, I don't, I don't envy the Fed for this no. soft landing they're trying to engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll see how that goes. But <laughs> well, thanks so much for being on with us today, Kevin. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. This is Elizabeth Langbarton of Certified Credit's Talk Data to Me podcast, and today I'm joined by Susan Schaefer of National MI. How are Hi. you? Good, Allie. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. We're Thank very excited me. to have you here live at MBA. Thank you. And we're going to be talking about private mortgage insurance, and I'm going to be honest. I do not know much other than when my husband and I bought our first house, we needed to get PMI. Yes. So... Let's just start with what is PMI and when does it apply to a loan? Well, PMI is private mortgage insurance, as mm -hmm. you said, and it applies to only conventional loans when a borrower doesn't put 20% down. Okay. So usually um, nobody actually wants PMI. Right. But, <laughs> right. but we are an important process of the whole mortgage right. lending piece and home ownership. Yeah. So, so like uh, the example I was talking to you about, you know, we were 23 when we bought our house. We didn't have 20% down. So we did 5% and then we had PMI until we refinanced and so on and so forth. But um, it is, it's very important when you consider you have young home buyers. You have home buyers that might not be in a financial position to put 20% down. So uh, is there a benefit to doing a conventional loan with PMI over doing a possible you know, government program or a government-backed loan? I would say there are definitely benefits. There's benefits of both. Okay. But since I'm your PMI girl here yeah. today, we'll just talk <laughs> about the benefits of those. And I would okay. say that the the main benefit is, is that there is different pricing levels that are available. So we're not a one-size-fits-all, okay. which typically the fees around government programs are a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. So they don't take into account different credit criteria okay where we do and then the pmi on conventional loans mm -hmm. eventually falls off your loan automatically when your ltv reaches 78 percent okay and it does not on government loans okay so if i had an fha loan it's not falling off it will not fall off automatically so that impacts your loan for the life of the loan then yes or until you refinance yes. or anything Correct. okay interesting which so ultimately could end up costing you more money wow I mean, that's something to consider, especially if you do have that opportunity for, you know, a three or a five percent down. But are there is there ever an opportunity where there's zero percent down and you have the PMI? Not on conventional loans. Zero okay. percent down doesn't exist in our world okay. today. But right. who knows? Right. Maybe something. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that myth then that we're talking about that you have to put 20 percent down on a house. Does PMI then make that false? I would say PMI makes that false. And I would say that myth has been around for a long time. Right. Probably generationally, it's been passed down from mm -hmm. parents to children because 
when you buy a house, typically you ask your parents for advice. And yeah. a lot of the previous generations say you have to have 20% down. And PMI has been available for a long time, but that myth still exists today. Okay. And you can have as little as 3% down and get a conventional loan with private mortgage insurance. Right. And I would say for first-time home buyers, that's important. Save your money for other things like yeah. new furniture, appliances, fixing up a home. I know fixing we bought a, a we bought a fixer-upper. We uh, started, I don't know, in July. We didn't get to move in till November. But having that availability to only do, you know, we looked at three percent. We looked at five percent. You know, the cost outweighed doing the five percent, but we were able to still then spend some money on fixing up our home. Right. Which was so valuable. Sure. And you want to save some just in case something breaks that you our need to Our furnace broke the next your year. Furnace, a hot water <laughs> tank, a, a leaky roof. Right. So many things can go wrong in homeownership. Right. Yeah, and we right. all know that. But mm -hmm. um, if you could give a few tips to lenders about quoting PMI, about the PMI process, what would they be? Tips to lenders would be, especially around quoting MI, and I think it probably mainly applies to loan officers, mm -hmm. is that you want to always give your borrower credit for the most income that, yeah. that you can to lower their debt-to-income right. ratio, because that's now a part of pricing out MI. It's no longer just a FICO score and a loan-to-value. And I would say quote and requote often, because rates okay. change their dynamic. Oh, I didn't know that. They are. They change, and um, if a rate improves, you can mm -hmm. potentially lower the rate. So before the loan closes, make sure you're rerunning to make sure you're getting the best available rate for your borrower. Oh, that's really good advice. Mm -hmm. And you, save Susan. your quotes. They're good for 90 days. Oh, yeah. okay. That's Look at my that. final tip, Allie. I love it. Well, thank <laughs> you so much, Susan, for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. This has I been wonderful. This. Next time we'll do, you know, PMI 2.0 or Ooh, something. I like it. <laughs> More to come. Let's see <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Susan. And stay tuned for PMI 2.0. Yes. <laughs> Coming to you soon. <laughs> This is Elizabeth Langbarton of Certified Credit's Chalk Data to Me podcast, and joining me today is the wonderful Roy George of More Lending. How you doing, Roy? Good. Thanks for having me. I Thank you for it. joining us. How's your MBA been so far? So far, these past couple of days have been absolutely great. Yeah. Great networking opportunities, some really cool announcements. Got to see Coach K speak earlier, so that was really cool for I me. I have been hearing about that all day, and I didn't get to go. So what did I miss? You know, honestly, you didn't miss much. Okay. He did a little bit of uh, I had severe you know, FOMO going on, and um, he talked a little bit about you know strategy, and that that was kind of cool. And uh, most of everybody couldn't hear anything that was going on because the crowd went back into the aisle. So oh. it was mostly just a bunch of people standing there talking to each other about, "Ooh, there's Coach K." Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't have as bad a FOMO now. <laughs> <laughs> but so today we're here to talk about advice for young lenders, talking about what your experience has been in the mortgage space. So let's just start at the beginning. How did you get started in the mortgage industry? Ooh, I started in the mortgage industry in 1995. Okay. I was looking for a job while I was in college. I needed to pay for college. Mm -hmm. And so I got a job at a small little company called ASG, Okay. that had an account for Mellon Mortgage, where I was a collector. Okay, Mellon Mortgage is in like the, the Mellon that merged with BNY? That one, yeah. Okay, yeah. very cool. So you got started and you just, you stayed. So I went to college okay. to become an architect and I just needed this job. So yeah. I ended up 
staying with that company the entire duration. And when I left and moved back downstate, my resume just kind of said I knew how to do something in the mortgage world. Mm -hmm. And it, that's how I kind of stayed there. Okay. Yeah. So looking at where you're at now, you've gone from, you know, larger lender to now a, a small, almost a startup, we'll call it. Almost, yeah. Almost. So what has that experience been like? So, so I've had a little bit of experience prior, right? I've been at a startup before, mm -hmm. uh, but I've been at a lot, a lot of large companies over yeah. the years from city to my last employer. And so that experience has been a little scary, yeah. right? Especially when you step out and away from the regular salaries and the regular bonuses mm -hmm. and things like that. And it gives you a lot of excitement because you're yeah. building something new, uh, who knew that the market was going to change this drastically? Right. Listen, I knew the market was going to change. I just didn't know yeah. it was going to be this drastic. We're lucky enough that we have, you know, the right pieces in play to mm -hmm. survive what's happening. But it was it was a scary and exciting piece all at the same time. Yeah. So you guys are currently navigating the challenges of the market right now. How have you been, you know, kind of positioning yourself so that at the end of this, you guys are, are better than you were today? Sure. So a lot of the times when I'm thinking about how do we get ourselves in the right position for mm -hmm. 12 months from now or 24 months from now, I think about all my big company experiences. Yeah. And I think about how did we cut costs or figure out how to use staff augmentation mm -hmm. or AI or technology or offshoring or whatever it was to get the numbers where they needed to be so that we were in a good space. I started out putting these offshore pieces in play, mm -hmm. technology in play, right from day one. So I don't have pushback from the staff. They don't look at it and say, oh, you're bringing something in that might affect my job. Right. Because it's all they know. Right. They don't have any other experience at my company where there's transition. Right. And that's part of being able to apply that big company know-how mm -hmm. to the tiny company and say, this is how we function. Now, it's great. We've got a lot of experience negotiating contracts and things like that. Right. And long-time uh, relationships that we're able to leverage to say, hey, I have a smaller organization. Mm -hmm. It's growing. What can you do for me so that we can get over or through this, this hurdle that we right. see in the economy right now? Right. That's very interesting. I think we always bring our experience with us. So whether you're in your example, you're going from a big company to... No, your smaller organization, yep. or you're going from one industry and coming into the mortgage industry, you're bringing that experience with you. So that being said, if you know, let's say someone's looking to get into the mortgage industry, what advice would you have for them for getting started? Sure. So whether you're a new student coming out of college mm -hmm. and saying, hey, I want to start my career doing something, there is a great opportunity in this space for you. It's hard to find, right? Yeah. So that advice is more if you happen to come across somebody in our industry, yeah. you know, talk to them about it, see what it's about, uh -huh. see what they're getting from it, and maybe, you know, take a shot there. But for people transitioning mm -hmm. from, one or, uh, from one industry to another, I can't tell you how many different pieces of the puzzle there are yeah. to this business and this industry as a whole. Absolutely. Think about housing. Housing encompasses so much. Mm -hmm. And whether you're talking about technology or staff augmentation right. or services or, you know, whatever it may be, there are so many pieces right. 
you will find something you like to do in this industry and it may be a subsector of the industry right. that that correlates or resonates more with you and what you like so I say my advice is for people moving over from a different industry or for people coming out of school, take a look at everything the industry has to offer mm -hmm. and then, you know, find your route to getting to that one space that you think is the best for you. Yeah, that's a really interesting piece because, you know, I came into the industry a little, well, about a year ago now. So when I came in, I was overwhelmed because you look at it from the consumer side I had just gotten a mortgage back in 2019, been through the process on the consumer side. And to me, it looked like, uh, okay, I give every one person all my paperwork, and then that same person shows up on closing day and helps <laughs> me sign all the paperwork. And maybe, you know, the title person was there. Right. But other than that, it's your loan officer, your real estate agent, and the title company. And that's all you know. And that's all you know. Right. And so you come in and you talk to these lenders and you talk to the people throughout the industry and you really find out how much depth there is and how important this industry really is for our economy, for people in general. I mean, we were talking earlier about the um, Homes for All project and how we really shape the lives of our borrowers Absolutely. And, and all consumers. So it's interesting to hear you say, you know, you will find a passion here, you, you no matter what you look will. at. Think about it like that. Well, first of all, congratulations on the interest rate of 2019. Good for you. <laughs> and, and then I refied in 21. But still, okay. It was still okay. real good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, you got better. I got a better. Oh, okay, yeah. Great. Good for you. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't this year. I know. But, you know. Good for you. That's awesome. And yes, it is, it is a reality. Take your own company, for example. Mm -hmm. You have to have technologists there that are doing dev work and creating new pieces that are customer-facing or internal. Right. right? So there, there's a whole sector of your company there. There's your sales team who's out in the, in the world getting new accounts. Right. There, there's everybody doing some piece of the pie that makes the entire company work. Right. And so you're exposed to all these different parts of it. And that's and, just one company. Yeah, that's just one company. And think about this hub we're sitting in right now. There's there's yeah. hundred plus companies sitting in here that all do something different, but all have parts of the the pie that yeah. are those little subsectors. Right. And we're I mean in, in this scenario, we're only talking about your your residential lending. You haven't even touched on commercial, the secondary no. market. There's so many opportunities. Real estate title. Mm -hmm. I mean, insurance, there's so many parts or industries that make home ownership mm -hmm. or just refinancing a house uh, um, something that someone's able to do. Right. And it takes all of those people, right? The saying is it takes a village. And yeah. It's, it's a true statement in our industry. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about all those pieces of the puzzle, thinking about, you know, we are in an industry that is a little bit older. We're bringing in new life to the industry. We have young people coming in all the time. What is one piece of advice you would give to someone who's just getting started? Besides, you know, diversifying and looking at everything else. Sure. So number one piece of advice for anybody who's just getting started yeah. is, especially if you're getting started this year, yeah. is give it more than just your first year. I see a lot of people these days that are from one job to another within the first year to two years wow. of being employed. And you're right. 
the average age in our industry is 50 plus, right? Yeah. And if we don't get that new blood and get people excited about being here, right. you're going to run into the issue of one day waking up and going, nobody's left in this industry. Yeah. So my piece of advice to people coming into the industry right now is give it more than a year. Give yeah. it more than a year or two and stay at a company for a year, two, three, and see if this industry is for you from that mm -hmm. perspective. Don't even, you know, try five different things at that company. Yeah. Stick to something. See if you like this industry. See yeah. if you like what this industry is about. And another piece to all of that, and I think it's really important, is try to get out to a trade show or yeah, something like absolutely. this where you're able to be exposed to everybody else that may be in your own shoes right. or have been in your shoes previously. Right. I'll say that has been, the, for me personally, the biggest thing getting out to trade shows, talking to people with experience, talking to people like you, talking to all of our guests here on Talk Data and having that opportunity to build relationships. Because I think the one thing that stands out to me is different from the other industries I've been in, is this is such a relationship-driven business. Absolutely. Yeah, no matter who you're talking to, what part of the process they're in, it's always about the relationship. I'll tell you one thing I tell a lot of my team and the staff that I see on a regular basis mm -hmm. at my office is you've got to be able to be top of mind with yeah. everyone, not just the people you're doing business with, but with your clients, right. with any prospects that you're talking to. I say to them, everyone's a prospect all the time. And if you get a loan application out of it, then now they're a lead. But right. the reality is you've got to be cognizant of what demographic they fall into from an age perspective. Right because my 55 and older clients, mm -hmm. they're okay with an email or a phone call mm -hmm. or seeing them in person. Absolutely. And then I have the 25 and unders or the 35 and unders who are like, just text me or yeah. I saw it on your IG feed, so yeah. <laughs> I don't need an update. And uh, you know, I've got, I've got a loan officer that works at my company who yeah. works for one of my managers. This guy's got a TikTok feed that just runs regularly. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. And I will tell you. Seven purchase deals this year off of his TikTok. Nice. Yeah. I'll tell you. And we're back. Unfortunately, our camera died. So here we are once again. So, Roy, we were talking about TikTok. We were. Okay. TikTok, great platform for young lenders. Absolutely. Getting themselves out there, meeting their audience where they are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think TikTok's a great, great platform, and I think you can get a lot of, a lot of pull from it. But you know, I want to make sure I add that that last piece that might have been part of the uh, camera dying, which is <laughs> there is nothing better than in person. So if you yeah. get out a trade show, if you get out to meet, you know, realtors or other people in the industry, sure, use social media, use email, use platforms, but at the same time. Don't forego seeing somebody in person. in person. Yeah, I mean, it even makes a difference on your team. If you're thinking about, you know, you have a remote, you have a remote team. We have a remote team, and it is, right. it is hard when you're remote. You can't get to know people as well. You don't get the body language. No, that's But then right. you meet them in person, and the collaboration just happens. And so, when you think about getting in person, that's where the collaboration really truly happens. So, agreed. Getting out to these conferences and getting to meet others and hearing about their experiences. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, I hope that this segment that we did will help people to say, hey, I want to get out there and get to something, and, yeah. or I just want to get out there and start talking to people that aren't yeah. just on my 
in my chat or on my thread or you right. know on my for you page right reach out to someone know somebody in your local area go get a coffee yeah that's the best way to form a relationship and if you are using social media don't forget to get be real <laughs> be real i am not on be real oh my god am i the only person on be real no i know a lot of people on all it right. haven't made it there yet you gotta get there all right that's my homework for yeah. this week that's part of like the technology <laughs> thing is like keeping up with everything new so be real is new okay you gotta get on there all right i'll get on it well Love this it. has been wonderful roy thank you so much for joining us and i hope you have a wonderful rest of mba thank you thanks for having me absolutely bye bye This is Elizabeth Langbarton of Certified Credits Talk Data to Me podcast, and we're live at MBA Annual with Blake Boss of Active Comply. Hey, Blake. Hey, everybody. So, Blake, tell us a little bit about yourself and Active Comply. Well, myself, I I am, you know, going on seven years in the mortgage industry, and I've started with Active Comply now for the past year, and mm -hmm. we've been helping mortgage lenders safely use social media and make sure that they're regulating or following all regulations, whether it's state by state or federal. Right. And we're really giving lenders the ability to use social media effectively and okay. compliantly to generate more business, especially in a market right now. Right. So talking about right now, right now we're sitting at MBA Annual. Great conference. One of the things that we talked about last night uh, was what should you post and what shouldn't you post whenever it comes to professionalism and compliance. Right. Good example. We were out last night with some of our friends from the mortgage industry, and we have lovely photos together, but it's probably not appropriate to post whenever no. this is going to be seen by your client. Right. And one <laughs> thing that Allie and I both agreed on is we hate seeing beer bottles in photos. Yeah. It's a professional environment. For some reason, the beer bottle just has some bad connotation in my head. Right. And, and Allie also agreed. So we think it's best to really remove all images of alcohol. Right. I think plastic cups are fine as long as... Uh, yeah, and I think it also depends on your context. So when we're talking about, you know, a professional presence and we're talking about you're with your, let's say, borrower, sharing that you have a beverage in front of you, if you can detect what that is, it's probably best to push it to the side and take that nice photo. Um, one of the other things that we were talking about a little bit is the video content. So compliance around video content gets a little sticky. It's tough. So what are some tips that you guys offer to lenders whenever you're creating video content? When it comes to video content, we always say, from a marketing standpoint, be consistent. You, right. know, you want to be that relationship that, that lenders didn't have the past two years with the refi environment. It seemed like lenders and loan officers always were just, you right. know, it, it was just an order-taken environment, and they were moving away from the relationship-focused sell that, mm -hmm. that the mortgage industry is very known for. So now that the market's getting tougher, using social media and using video content mm -hmm. to, to regenerate that relationship-focused sell is really going to be uh, a game-changer right now. Right. But from a compliance standpoint, it's tough, you know? We always say steer clear from talking about products, okay. steer clear about talking about rates. It's really about talking about the brand itself. We always okay. think brand promotion is, is mm -hmm. one of the best things you can do for video content because it is generally compliant and it's also uh, entertaining and it's right. also going to help the business altogether. Right. And going back to the conference perspective, I've seen a lot of success for a lot of the lenders here that they go around, they walk around the conference room, they take videos with their friends explaining the market, they talk to their fellow lenders, they talk to vendors and have conversations that are going to bring value to their borrowers. Absolutely. But when we're talking about that compliance side, you know, we're talking about don't talk about rates. Uh, are there other things that lenders need to be doing? Do you need to be putting your NMLS number on there? 
there? Do you need to be focusing on those real compliance heavy practices? And if you're not sure what to do, what should you do? Right. And, and we're seeing that as, as the low-hanging fruit. It seems like regulators mm -hmm. are citing the most for missing your licensing information on your profile itself. Right. You know, it, it seems, you know, simple enough just to include that, but a lot of the times loan officers aren't including their NMLS ID number, the company's NMLS ID number, mm -hmm. equal housing logo, or even just like the equal housing okay. verbiage. Uh, a lot of loan officers forget that, and mm -hmm. that's really what regulators are citing for the most because it's, it's just out there. It's easy to pick up. Uh, I would say from a regulatory standpoint, you know, I'm sure examiners are going through post content for right. someone's Facebook page or LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever it right. may be, but it is so much easier for a regulator just to look at the profile, the bio section, see you're missing some information, right. okay? And, and even some states like Texas, you know, you need to have the Texas Consumer Complaint Disclosure visible on the profile. Oh, I didn't and know a, that. And a lot of loan officers forget to do that for Texas. So if you're licensed in Texas, okay. make sure you have that. Some lenders satisfy this requirement differently, but generally you need to have the, the, the link to the portal to file a complaint. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. And, and all these other states have different requirements too that people miss. But really just profile related compliance is one of the most important because regulators are citing like crazy for it. Um, Recently, Active Combined, we went to uh, an Armor conference. It's the mm -hmm. American Association of Residential Mortgage Regulators Conference. Ooh, that's an acronym. And, right. <laughs> and, and at that conference, we got to meet with all these state regulators. Okay. And a lot of them were saying that they'll just search up the top 25 producers at a mortgage company and oh, look wow. them up on social media. Just look them up on Google, find their social media, and they're only looking at the top 25 producers. Okay. All right. But if you're that, if you're under that top 25, you still need to be careful. You still need to be careful, but it, it's amazing to see that the enforcement for social media compliance, mm -hmm. regulators are still learning. Right. You know, it, it's hard to really uh, find all the social media out there right. if you don't have a platform like Active Comply. And of course, regulators will never get their hands on our software. But <laughs> it's very important to see that if you don't have some sort of automation in place to really capture all that social media out there, right. you're really going to fall behind. Right. You really so will. when we're talking about they're just catching up now. They're just figuring out social media now. What does that mean for coming trends? What kind of regulation changes are we gonna see? Well, it, it's interesting because there's social media platforms like TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, yeah. and they have limited bios. Mm -hmm. So on Instagram, I don't know how many characters you get, but let's say you get 150 characters for your right. bio section. How do you fit disclosures, uh, you know, licensing information in this small little piece of text. You know? yeah. how, do, how do you fit it all right there? It's very difficult to remain or stay compliant. So I think as more social media platforms become those limited bio sections, uh -huh. regulators will see that it's nearly impossible to house all of that information in that right. small bio section. So are there ways for lenders to get around that? What are some tips and tricks that they're doing? Absolutely. So. Uh, a lot of our, our lender partners that work with Active Comply, uh, we have a product called License Link, and it's oh. a small link, similar to um, some like people, a bitly? like a Bitly or okay. like a Linktree almost, right. and and it's a it's a single link, and it's just one click away to have all the active licensing information being oh, pulled cool. in straight from the NMLS database. So we're going to be able to see the accurate licensing information with all, and we we match all the specific disclosures for each state license. Okay. And this is a great way to keep those limited bio platforms compliant by using right. a platform like License Link, the Active Comply offers to our clients. Um, but there's other ways to do it. Some lenders have their own landing page 
pages with licensing information. Okay. It, it is okay to do it like that, but just be careful about how many clicks away that information is. Right. Just right. make sure how far away it is. It has to be accessible. You need to make sure you're following the rules and regulations in it. So Absolutely. Very cool, Blake. Well, thank you so much for this wonderful advice. Yeah. Today we learned what should you be posting at a conference, what shouldn't you be posting, right. and how to make sure your profile is compliant. So I like it. Well, thank you for having you me. Appreciate you coming, joining us. Yeah. If you look to the television, your lovely cohorts your co-workers are on here I gabby and melissa gabby and melissa they are rock stars they joined us Comply. today so but thank you so much blake it was so great to see you and enjoy cool. the rest of the conference of course thank you for having me absolutely all right bye guys thanks for listening to certified credits talk data to me podcast with over 35 years of industry experience certified credit is your multi-faceted mortgage solutions partner Learn how our commitment to passionate service, innovative products, and superior technology create a more profitable and efficient lending environment for our clients at CertifiedCredit.com. Certified Credit, more than just a score.